Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, July 3rd, 2020, a date that will go down as Hamill Day from here to eternity. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. I'm on my own today. We just have a very short little bit of news that I want to get to, but then I'm going to talk to my dear old friend Jennifer McHugh, my co-host on Some Like It Pop. If you have been listening to us for a long time, you know that she is a Hamilton devotee, and we are going to be talking just hours before she is able to finally watch the Hamill film on Disney+. Plus. So just got a little bit of news, and then Jen and I are going to dive into that, so stay tuned. Of course, you can get all of our episodes, and I've been corrected, including this week on Broadway, first in our Patreon feed before they hit our regular feed. If you want to be a part of that, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. We would love to have you. All right, let's get into this news. First up on Wednesday, New York City announced its budget for the next fiscal year, and it included a nearly 11% cut in cultural affairs spending. Due to the COVID-19 related shutdowns, the city is facing a $9 billion loss in tax revenues, leading to substantial cuts across the board. Last year, funding for the Department of Cultural Affairs came in at an all-time high of $212 million, but this year the department's budget has been pulled back to right around $189 million. Additionally, there is a roughly $15 million cut to arts education services in the Department of Education budget as well. Funding for the Cultural After School Adventures program was cut by $3 million, and the Cultural Immigrant Initiative was cut by almost 14%. However, one bright spot, a small bright spot as it is, the Coalition of Theaters of Color kept its entire $3.7 million in funding from last year. Probably would not be a good look for them to cut that tiny budget at this moment in time. City Council member Jimmy Van Bramer, who chairs the council's Cultural Affairs Committee, said that other members had wanted to institute even deeper cuts to the arts funding than what was eventually passed. Van Bramer personally ultimately voted against the budget plan. If I'm being honest, I'm a little surprised that the cut was only 11%. Obviously, New York City prides itself on being an arts and cultural hub, and all of the council members are obviously very well aware of the financial impact that the arts have on New York City. So I'm a little afraid that other major cities across the country will institute even more draconian cuts than this because arts is not as central to their identity. Um, And I'm afraid about what that will do to arts and theater across the country, especially in cities that are not the regional, regional hubs, that places like Chicago or... Houston or Los Angeles or or anything else is. So we will definitely keep an eye on that as this type of news becomes available across the country. Of course, if city councils just had the guts to legitimately defund the police and reinvest in communities and solutions that actually help citizens, that would of course help as well, but that's for another podcast. Moving on, on Thursday, Broadway alum Amanda Klutz visited with Gail King on the CBS Morning Show to discuss the recovery of her husband, Tony nominee Nick Cordero, who has been battling coronavirus for months. Klutz reported that while Cordero has been in the hospital for over three months, he is still critically ill, despite no longer being in a coma or testing positive for COVID-19. She told King, quote, our ultimate, ultimate goal would be to get him to be a candidate for a double lung transplant. We think that that is most likely the possibility, a 99% chance that he would be needing that in order to live the kind of life I know my husband would want to live. That is a long road away, and a lot of things would have to line up in order for Nick to be a candidate for that. 
Of course, there is still an active GoFundMe drive to support the family, including their infant son, Elvis. Currently, it has raised over $550,000, but it sounds like the road will be incredibly long and arduous. So if you have the ability to contribute, please do. If not, please share the link, which we will have in the show notes. All right, real quick, I'm going to talk about a couple of recommendations and then send you on your merry way. First, Michaela Diamond and Nathan Salstone, who have been quarantining together for four months, they're going to have a COVID birthday celebration concert virtually, of course, on August 2nd. Tickets will be $15 and 20% of profits will go to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. Um, I've brought a number of things that Michaela and Nathan have done together for Feel Good Recommendations. They are wonderful. Obviously, Michaela Diamond um, was in The Share Show and Nathan Salstone was in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. A lovely young couple and they make in incredible stuff together. Um, you'll remember I, I, they did a, a song very early on for Broadway World's uh, Living Room Concert Series, and then they did like a slowed down acoustic I'll Be There For You, the theme song from Friends. Uh, it was really, really good. So um, I highly recommend you check this out. 15 bucks goes to a great cause and do a little celebration for their birthdays as well. And then the final recommendation that I have is coming to us from Entertainment Weekly in which Peppermint and the entire cast of Head Over Heels reunited to run through a medley of Go-Go's songs. You guys know I'm a sucker for these uh, for these cast reunion virtual videos, and I loved Head Over Heels when I saw it. So uh, this is a great one, definitely uplifting. The cast is as silly as ever, um, so check out that link in the show notes. All right, it is now time for me to talk to the great and the good Jennifer McHugh about Hamilton being released in a mere hours from when I'm speaking to you now on Disney+. Plus. Um, I will say, though, there's been a lot of conversation about the fact that Disney+, Plus has taken away the opportunity to do the one-week free trial. But if you are somebody who listens to Today on Broadway and for whatever reason you cannot afford the $7 for the first month of Disney+, Plus, send me an email uh, at matt at broadwayradio.com. I will cover it for you. I'll do the first 10 people, let's say. Um, so if any of you out there are unable to pay for that first month of Disney+, Plus and therefore unable to see Hamilton... Um, send me an email. And this goes to people who aren't listening. If you are listening and know somebody who this might be an option for, tell them to send me an email as well. I'll do the first 10. That way you can watch it and participate in this incredible theatrical and cultural moment. All right. With all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Jennifer McHugh. All right, I'm now joined by Jennifer McHugh. Jen, on a scale of 1 to uh, 96,000, how excited are you for this thing to be released in what appears to be, oh God, I'm not good at math, six and a half hours? Six and a half hours. I, Wow, you're good. 96,000. That was very clever. Like that? It almost kind of makes me miss you. But um, I'm Almost. pretty excited. Are you excited? I mean, I'm not nearly as excited as you are. I'm looking forward to watching it like first thing when I get up in the morning. But between the two of us, like I enjoy and appreciate Hamilton. You I mean, is it fair to say you're obsessed? Yeah, I have I have a tattoo on my arm. It's fair. <laughs> I mean, you've got multiple tattoos from multiple things. Are you obsessed with all of those things still, even after you've got, gotten the tattoos lost? Les Mis? Rent. I don't have a rent tattoo. Oh, you don't. Okay, never mind. I have I have lost Les Mis and and Hamilton. Gotcha. And yes, those I would say 
represent my obsessions. I, I need to get a Twin Peaks one, and then we'll round it out. <laughs> what remind us what the uh, Hamilton uh, tattoo is? Is it? It's not a moment. It's a movement. It is. I am inimitable. I ah. am an original. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember you and I've had this conversation about how much you love that line because every time you see it or you see the show, like the the bird pronounces that word differently. Uh, yes, very good memory because I remember Leslie pronounced it. I am inimitable, and Josh, what's his Henry, name? Josh Joshua Henry. Henry pronounced it. I am. He said, "I am inimitable." Like there was no accent on yeah. the word. Whereas Leslie hit the I am inimitable. I don't know. These are the things I – so, yeah, I'm upset. <laughs> well, I talked about this with um, uh, with Nick Walker when I had him on a few weeks ago. Like, I've seen Hamilton four times. Um, I've seen three different burrs. And it just fascinates me how differently that role – and other ones, but especially that role – can be performed based on who was actually the actor on stage that night. I, I think it's uh, – uh, really speaks to the quality of the role and how well it is written that you can go from someone like I've seen Daniel Breaker do it twice on Broadway and he's funnier and more sarcastic, but Nick is much more cold and steely and reserved. And like you can see his anger and everything building up throughout until he just releases it. Um, and that's different for each one. And I think that's, that speaks to, Lynn's writing, uh, and obviously the very talented actors who've played that part. Which is interesting because I've seen Three Burrs too. We both saw two. You didn't see Leslie, right? I did not. No, I did not see Leslie. But we both saw Daniel Breaker. Mm -hmm. And then I saw Michael Lavoye. And then you saw Nick Walker. I saw Nick Walker. And then I don't remember. Um, no, I've, saw, I've seen Daniel Breaker twice, Nick Walker once, and then I don't remember who did it the the one time I went to Miami and it was an absolute unmitigated disaster because it was not very good. Um, I don't remember that person's name, but um, we'll just leave him out of it to spare his family's feelings. Well, I too enjoyed Daniel Breaker, his performance. But like you said, like I had only seen Leslie and seeing Michael Lavoie do it more like what you're saying that Nick Walker does it where it's very stoic and very serious and, and you can see the anger internalized and then exploding. I think I think that you're right. It's just that character is really fascinating. I don't think we'll ever see it played the same way twice. Yeah, and I think that's that's good because like I feel like in long running shows, especially something like uh like Wicked, we often hear about how like Glinda's are just doing a Kristen Chenoweth impression to one degree or another. And I understand why shows do that because it's easier to kind of keep things um, cohesive when you're going from, you know, one principal cast to another. And if someone's going from the tour to Broadway, like they often do, but like, I, I feel like Hamilton really is a show that should and always will, I think, allow actors to embody the characters in the way that they think is appropriate. Because I mean, the lead actor in the original show was the writer. So I think like he kind of understands and appreciates the flexibility that the, uh, the performers should have when getting to work with a text that I'm not saying it's Shakespeare, but in terms of the denseness of the characters in the text, it's Shakespearean. I think so with the with the poetry in it and the way that it's it's written. Um, but I'm excited to see Leslie do it again. We're only talking about Burr. I mean, there's hundreds yeah, of things of I'm excited about, but. 
I think it'll be interesting for people to see the people who originated the roles and compared to who they have seen them in, or it's been a long time since anyone has seen this group of people do these roles. Yeah, absolutely. So it is now 536 Pacific time, Pacific Standard Time. It is released at midnight, uh, 12 a.m. Eastern time or 12 a.m. Pacific time. So just a few hours. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're staying up to watch it at the stroke of midnight, right? <laughs> uh, if I were 20 years younger, I would. Oh, Absolutely. you're but not. Okay. I'm approaching a very old age. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting there. No, I'm excited to watch it tomorrow. Um, I'm also excited to kind of read the reaction, you know, with all these yeah. people who've been waiting so long. I know people who have subscribed to Disney Plus just for this and plan on canceling right after it. Hi, Mom. And um, <laughs> let her tell her to just do the whole month. She can watch other things for the month. Come well, on, she Mom. thinks that if she cancels it the next day, they won't notice. I'm like, Mom, that's not how it works. No, I can't get into that right now. No. But um, no, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I think it'll be good. It'll it'll be a good thing for the holiday weekend. Now, do you have any special plans for the viewing? <laughs> the viewing. That sounds so morbid. Um, <laughs> the screening. How about that? Is that better? <laughs> the screening is better. Yeah. I did forewarn my boyfriend that there will be no breaks. There's no pausing. There's no getting up to get a glass of water. There's no smoke breaks. There's nothing. We're starting at the beginning of Act 1 and intermission will be 15 minutes. So that's that's about as strict as I've gotten. Um, I really just want to see it again. I haven't – this sounds so pretentious and privileged, but I haven't seen it in over a year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you were – yeah. Well, I, I know – Los Angeles was supposed to get a production. I don't know when those performances were supposed to start, but obviously that was wiped out um, because of the coronavirus and all of that stuff. So Ashley and I the other day talked about there was an article in Slate, which I would not be surprised if you saw um, that basically said that seeing Hamilton is disappointing and that everything you need is in the cast album. I wholeheartedly strongly disagree because all of my favorite stuff not all of it, but a lot of my favorite stuff is the staging and the choreography, and I think that adds so much more. Um, did you first off? Did you see that article, or did I just ignite a, a fiery anger in you just by mentioning it? No, I saw the headline and rolled my eyes and moved on because I smart. I, I don't agree with it either. It, I loved the cast album and I was obsessed with it, but when I saw it, I was like, it came alive. Yeah, it's a completely and different thing. I think I think Blank and Bueller kind of stole it. I think the choreography was the best I've ever seen. And it, and there were some songs, like I think I've mentioned before, The Room Where It Happens, which I thought was a good song on the cast mm -hmm. album. But when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, this is this is the show. And, yeah, that's I think that's just a really bougie kind of <laughs> perspective to come yeah. in on. It's Slate. Because, I mean, Slate sucks yeah, generally. Don't, and don't ever discourage people from going to the theater. Like – or don't tell people that the stuff that they enjoy, they shouldn't enjoy it. You know, that's something that I think, and I've mentioned this too, like I really latched onto that early on in our Some Like It Pop Days because that's something that you preached from the beginning. Um, so I, it's just like, why be a dick about it? Right. If you think the cast album is better, good for you. Let other people go see it. And there have been less than, well, maybe one person who saw it and was like, I like the album better. That's fine, but there's millions of people that like the show, so it, that's just it's not even worth the time. It, but I, other than that, I've seen 
raves about the production value and the the filming and all of that. Totally. So I'm really excited. Has has there anything like ever been anything like this where they've just gone in and made like a film quality version of a stage show? I mean, they used to do a ton more filmings of Broadway shows than they do now. Obviously, um, things that come to mind are like Sunny in the Park with George and Into the Woods. Although I don't believe those were actually, I think those were recreated the Broadway productions. I don't think they were actually the Broadway productions, um, and those are classics. You can get both of them on Broadway HD right now, actually, but. I think this is so different because, um, you know, Tommy Kale, he's an Emmy Award winning director as well. So, I mean, he approached this. Obviously, he did his directing for the stage version, but he was intimately involved with the directing of the film, the editing. Um, So he understands it in a way that I think most people who film theatrical works are just approaching it from the televised point of view. And I think Tommy brings a much different perspective, obviously, because he directed the stage version as well. So I think that that's something that I am interested in seeing because he understands where to put those close-ups. He understands when to pull back. He understands when to put the overhead shot. So you see Andy Blankenbuehler's choreography from above, which we've seen in some of the clips and and trailers. So I think that that is something that I'm interested in more than anything. And and I've talked about that this week on Today on Broadway, where I'm I'm loving that these reviews are all glowing. Um, As of now, I think there's 49 professional reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and it still has a 100% fresh rating. And what I'm excited about is that so many of them are talking about, like, even if you've seen it on stage a dozen times, even if you know the cast album by heart, there is more to see because of this presentation. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that we've seen filmed versions of that where they try and and get fancy and everything. But if you know the show well enough, they're closing in on someone singing. And you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, don't. over there. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you're missing the choreography. Like, you're missing yes. the staging. That's really important. Like. So that's a really good perspective to have. And also, you know, these are still pricey tickets to get in the theater and Mm -hmm. to be able to sit in your living room and watch it and see all the parts that you've never seen. Because on my best seat with with my lottery fortune or in the first viewing, I, I could see the actors up close, but I didn't see anything behind them. And in my worst seat in the back of the theater, I could see everything, but I couldn't see facial reactions. <laughs> and now you can see everything and you can, can watch it tomorrow and watch the whole thing as a perspective, like a, a full screen pers- perspective. But then you can watch it on Saturday and only watch the upper level of the stage, which I always would catch. I love that. Like, yeah. I would I would see a scene and then I would be like, oh, what were they just doing up there? And the fact that you can just see everything. I'm just so excited. Are you so excited? I'm excited. And, well, and, and that brings – I think one of my favorite moments in the show is such a small little one. And you might know what song it is right at the top of your head. But it's – there's like – they're sending a letter. And I don't know if it's the letter that um, Eliza sends to Washington or if it's something else. But it like starts in the stage right corner by the stairs and then it goes up the stairs and they're literally passing it from person to person up the stairs and then down. But when it gets to the the very back catwalk, they do like this fan motion where they're clearly not passing the note, but they've each got a note and they're passing it. So it makes it look like as they're fanning, they're passing it like I never I try to never miss that moment. I've only I've seen the show four times, so I try to never miss it. But I'm so excited to see that on film because it's those little things that I think people might not see on one viewing. But now they have the chance to watch it so many times that they could 
you know, Zapruder it and see every single little tiny thing that Tommy and Andy did in the staging. Yeah, um, I'm I'm just really selfishly excited for people who haven't seen it to see it because I want to talk about it with people who've never seen it before. But also, I hope that it'll encourage people to also go back and see it when it's back up and running, too. Totally. Wherever. It, it's, whether it's on Broadway or on tour or absolutely. wherever. Because I, for me, it, I like that it's reaching a broader audience. But I hope that filmed stage shows encourage people to go to the theater, not discourage it. Because mm-hmm. if anything, I would see this and be like, oh, I got to see that live. So yeah. and that's what I hope the, that, that that's what that's history what shows. Yeah, that's what history shows is that. Well, we don't often see filmed versions of the stage production, you know, released while the the stage show is still running. Um, We have seen movies of things like Fandom in Chicago. And just historically, when those films are released, they increase the box office for ticket sales on Broadway. Now, obviously, we were in a much different situation because of the, the pandemic. But I hope that you're right. And I think that with the proliferation of streaming services um, and everybody looking for content, we've seen a turn from Netflix and from HBO to start investing in movie musicals. I would love for someone with a lot of money to figure out how to do this and work with uh, Actors Equity Association to make it so that the contracts allow this. I've heard lots of rumblings. I've talked a little bit about them with things like Broadway On Demand. Um, you know, I think that there's there's a filmed version of Hello, Dolly with Bette Midler out there that might show up on a streaming service sometime. I don't know. It's lots of rumors, but I, I hope you're right. I hope that eventually we are able to see these things happen more often. But um, OK, real quick, two two more questions I want to ask. Um, they announced earlier this week that there will actually be a behind the scenes documentary talking with uh, the creative team and cast members about this. That's going to be released in conjunction with this at midnight uh, Pacific time. So I'm sure you will watch that on Friday as well. But if you could talk to any member of the original company, any member of the creative team and ask them one question, who would it be? And what would that question be? Oh, man, you couldn't even prep me for this beforehand. Sorry. Um, let me think. I think from the original company, I think I would... I would want to talk to Andy Blankenbuehler, the choreographer, and ask him if he's ever done choreographing or if he's if he ever restages things in his head or looks at things and say, oh, I could have done that better. Like Hamilton specifically. Mm-hmm. I've directed things in the past before, and it's hard for me to watch them because I can't stop nitpicking oh, and thinking, oh, that yes. could have been better. You and me both. So yeah. I think – not that I wouldn't want to hear the same thing from Tommy and Alex, but like from Andy specifically as a choreographer, I would like to know if he does that. And if he doesn't, what his trick is to kind of turn your brain off, accept what you've done, pat yourself on the back and move on. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I love that. Um, Okay. And my last question, obviously we've established that you are a Hamilton obsessive. You uh, are very proud of it. You're excited to talk to people about this show that haven't had a chance to see it before but what do you think is the if you could if you could sum up what makes Hamilton so special into a sentence or two what would it be for you um I'm gonna steal from from the creator and say it's important to look at stories about people back then told by people who look like us now And especially in this world that we're living in right now, not only with the virus, but with the George Floyd protests and everything, 
it's really hopeful and invigorating to see David Diggs walk down the stairs as a funky Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> and it's it's so little and so minuscule and yet so gratifying. And I think it would really irritate the shit out of Jefferson. And that makes me <laughs> really happy. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Well, Jen, I am going to be watching this apparently before you will, because I'm going to watch it, you know, when I get up in the morning, uh, Eastern time. So I will probably watch it before you're even up. Um, but please text me after you watch it and let me know your thoughts. And uh, I hope that it lives up to your expectations based on all the reviews. I can't imagine that it won't. Uh, but I'm excited for you. I'm excited for all of the people who love Hamilton as much as you do. And I'm also excited for, like you said, the people who haven't had the opportunity to see it, but I've always wanted to. Uh, this is something that is really special. And I applaud Lynn and the creative team and Disney Plus for making this happen, you know, what, like 15 months earlier than they had originally planned uh, because of everything going on. I do think this is a perfect time for it. And um, as a Disney shareholder, I, I appreciate the uh, reason to find some sort of influx in, in cash for the uh, for the company since they've been losing a lot of money lately anyway. But that's just me. And it's been really hard the last few months to find things to smile about and be excited about. And I'm not familiar with this feeling anymore. And just the past <laughs> few days getting all excited, it was just like it's it's really – it's really a big deal. Yeah. I really have been turning to a lot of online theater and online concerts. Like I, I was, I've, I didn't at first, uh, like keep a list like I normally do for shows I see in person, but I've started to keep a list. And I've, I realized that even over the last few weeks and some things that I have tickets to coming up in the next couple of weeks, like, I mean, I've probably seen and seen in quotes, of course, but you know, a dozen shows, a uh, half dozen concerts. And like, it is really starting to, feel like I need to go to church like I would in an actual brick and mortar theater. So it's not the same. Absolutely not. But uh, it doesn't have to be the same because we're in a different time than we would be when we could go to a theater. So I I'm taking what I can get. Amen to that. Wasn't her anticipation just palpable? Jen doesn't get super excited, but I hope you could feel it as well. Anyway, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. James, Peter, and Michael have a great This Week on Broadway set up, so don't forget to head over to that. If you are a Patreon member, you can join in on those, on those live recordings as well. I have my next interview for Tell Me More scheduled for Monday. It is a great one. In fact, I would say it's an unsinkable one. So if you want to hear that before anybody else can, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. Have a wonderful uh, holiday weekend, everybody. Stay safe. I know it's going to be hard when normally we want to go out and watch fireworks or spend, uh, spend time outside or do cookouts and all that stuff, but stay inside. If you don't, wear a mask. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. We will talk to you again on Monday. <laughs>